Hold on. You know, uh, I don't to mean kinda... to cut you off. I made a mistake here. I'm, I tried to take off this flannel <laughs> while sitting in this chair and I got stuck. My shoulder doesn't bend that way. Okay. Okay. All we're right. all set now. Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas here with Daniel, as usual. How are Hello. you this morning? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. Good. Before we get too far into it, we want to take this moment to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. That's patreon.com slash reason together. We appreciate all of you uh, that support this podcast. And if you don't support this podcast and you just listen, thank you as well. We appreciate you being here and listening. If you're new to this podcast, uh, we are a couple of guys who just uh, talk about faith and practice. Uh, we try to apply the scripture to uh, things in life as best we can. You know, this is not a scripted podcast. We don't come <laughs> into this really prepared with any sort of theological diatribes or anything like that. Uh, we just simply bounce back and forth and, and banter a little bit about biblical things and hope it's productive. So thank you for being here and listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, when we started this what, almost five years ago, uh, you informed me that the genre of our podcast mm -hmm. was two dudes talking, right? Yes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. I mean, mm. unofficially, I suppose. Oh, God. Uh, but I've, heard, I've heard it referred to on other podcasts as a particular genre known as two dudes, two talking. dudes talking. Yeah. So, you know, you have, some, you have some genres that are basically uh, someone reading a script that they've written. I don't, I don't know what you call that genre of podcast. Yeah, interesting. Well, you um, can tell that it's scripted. Uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. Nothing against yeah, that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Others are are more like extemporaneous, uh, where they're just talking about a you know a series of topics that they've planned in advance, but it's more extemporaneous. And but they're by themselves. And then others, it's like this, where there's two guys talking back and forth, two yeah. dudes talking. And, and ours is uh, is focused in the in the sense that. Uh, we enjoy good substantive conversations about all sorts of things and want to uh, tie it back best we can to scripture and understand uh, how uh, the things that we're thinking about are connected yeah. uh, with what God has said. So, yeah, we do trust that it is a, uh, a blessing. It um, I got to, on a recent trip down to North Carolina, had, um, had the uh, privilege of speaking to one of our supporters, David, getting to know him a little bit better. Oh, okay. And uh, so shout out to David. And also uh, got to talk to one of our listeners, uh, Jim, and he, uh, I appreciate it. He gave me some feedback and I said, and I've, and I've said this multiple times, I appreciate friends that think, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people that are, are willing to disagree with you and kindly tell you, you know, and not just, well, I won't say anything. So he, um, uh, he mentioned something to me about something we had talked about in the past, and I wanted to just throw this out there because I thought, oh, neat thought. We had talked a couple times in the past about accountability, and um, he said that the first time we talked about it, he said we both agreed, and he disagreed with us. <laughs> and he said the second time, you and I disagreed, and he agreed with you. <laughs> so, oh, well, thank you, Jim. That you you came out on the wrong side of whatever conversation that was. I don't no. I don't know what you're talking about, but if you agreed with me, you're doing okay, buddy. So I was consistent, <laughs> but consistently wrong. You were uh, inconsistent because you found out what was right. No, anyway, no, I appreciate his comment. So what he was talking about, we we mentioned accountability. 
And he was saying that, um, particularly in the area of addictions, he's saying accountability is absolutely essential. And the verse he used was, was it in Ecclesiastes, where two are better than one. For if one falls, the other shall lift him up. That idea that when you're weak uh, internally, someone else comes alongside to lift you up and to help you strengthen that muscle um, and to develop what you should and be who you should be. And so I asked him, does that mean then that accountability naturally is only temporary? If it's, if it's helping you to develop the internal muscle, once that's developed, does that mean accountability is gone? And he came back with a great response, I thought. He said, um, it ends in friendship or something like that. Hmm. I thought, okay, now I haven't fully thought this one through, but it's interesting. And essentially that as I become someone's accountability partner, if you will, to help them um, to become strong in a certain area where they lack that innate strength, yeah. through the process, I develop a friend and a friendship is somewhat of a natural accountability because we, yes. owe, we owe something to our friends. Yeah, and it also seems to yeah, it seems to speak to like mindedness as well. Because uh, you sure. know, when you when you when you are in, <clears throat> and and I, I guess I have to speak only from the experience I have here. You know, being in ministry for a few years, you know, a lot of the times when people are new converts or they're they're young Christians, they come along, they're they're more like your project in some ways, and, and you're working to help them mm -hmm. mature. You're teaching them the scriptures. As they begin to mature and learn the things that they're they're being taught and 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 applying them into life, they become less of a student and more of a friend. Um, if yeah, I can say it that I, way, sure, I understand yeah. what you're saying. So I, I see where he's coming from. That that makes sense. Yeah. So I, uh, Jim, thank you very much for that uh, thought. Um, yeah. That just brings me to one other small side thought. When you think about accountability, kind of uh, innate in the friendship model. Um, what is it that we owe to a friend? Hmm, that's a broad question. I can think of a lot of things that I owe to a friend. Okay. Um, Tell me a few. Honesty. Yep. That was, that was one of the first yeah. ones I thought of. Uh, um, loyal, loyalty. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, those are the two that come off the top of my mind. Uh, keep, keep talking. Maybe some more will come. Yeah, well, one, um, and I, I had to encapsulate it in a word is Proverbs 17, 17. No, no, no. No, that's, I'm sorry. Proverbs 17, 17 is a friend loveth at all times, brothers yeah, yeah. born for adversity. But uh, I'm thinking of iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Um, you know, I owe him that kind of a relationship that sharpens him, that challenges him. Yeah. Um, and part of that is honesty. But, um, um, you know, part of it is just that, uh, that example yeah. That substance that uh, I need to be growing myself to be sharpening him. I need to be willing to be sharpened by him, which is an acceptance of criticism and the uh, understanding that a, a man can be a friend and still wound uh, the right. wounds of a friend. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot there. Um, and, and part of that is sort of an innate accountability that um, that we are um, we are on the same page here and um, and yeah. be moving in the same direction. Something else that came to mind from Jim's feedback uh, is uh, the idea of changing your mind, you know, and I don't know, mm. you know, who changed their mind in, in the discussion he's talking about. Maybe it was you, maybe it was me. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but it's okay to change your mind. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Yeah, Good point. Good yeah, point. I'm, I'd be a little concerned about a guy who says he's learned it all basically as a young man and he's never changed his mind. Um, and that 
that that that's I find that to be a red flag of someone who's not thinking. They're not reasoning together. That's a, that's a good point because a lot of times people get backed into a corner and now they feel out of pride or uh, mostly out of pride uh, that they have to defend a position that's really kind of indefensible at a certain point. And so sure. instead of, you know what, uh, you've got a good point there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may just doggedly drive at something even when it doesn't make sense because they've got to win. Um, yeah. They don't want to change. And, and to just say, you know what, um, it, or honestly, I've seen this as a parent. I've done something. I've, you know, maybe rebu- I've called out one of the kids and then they explained to me what was happening and I have to turn around and apologize and say, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. What, that's what was yeah, happening. Been um, there. I, I misread that one. And, um, and you just have to say, hey, I changed my mind on that. What I originally thought, you know. Um, yeah, and- it can be pride. It can be fear as well. You know, sometimes we hold positions that we're afraid to consider, you know, a different mm-hmm. position on it. We're afraid, you know, like, you know, we're just our heads are going to explode or something. I don't know what we're afraid of, but, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes it can be fear. Sometimes it can be pride. Um Sometimes it can just be the fact that we place ourselves in a certain feedback loop in which we never listen to other things, um, you know. So, so there's a whole host of reasons, yeah. but it's okay to change your mind. That 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 demonstrates some maturity, uh, demonstrates some perspective and and some intelligence and lots of things. So and it and it um, yeah, that's good. And it's helpful to have uh, a relationship like this in which we're talking, where we can question changing our mind uh, or we might change it a little bit and then change it back and then change it and that's the that's the process of thinking through something but you're given mm-hmm. the space to think through something with a friend yeah. who's not gonna hammer you or you know or, right. or pin you down to one thing but just try to help guide your thoughts or give some some sharpening uh, you know counterpoints and um, and and work you through that so in other words sometimes people change too fast and they say, Oh, I don't like this. Boom, they throw it all out. And somebody says, whoa, wait, wait, let's, let's think through this. Um, maybe there's a change, but not so drastic of a change. Anyway, to have a friendly yeah. uh, conversation yeah, can be really helpful. I remember it was early on in our friendship. That was something that came up uh, in our conversations hmm. where we sort of agreed with each other that you could, you could ask me basically anything and I won't think you're a heretic. You know, I'll, I'll listen. Mm-hmm. I, I'll just listen mm-hmm. to you. I won't think you're a heretic. I might disagree with you, but I won't. I won't think you're a heretic. Yes. And uh, in other words, I won't have that guttural emotional response of the immature that when I hear somebody tell me something that I disagree with, it, oh, you're the devil. You know, no. <laughs> well, maybe they're just thinking through the issue, and we should talk talk it out with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that I think is one of the things that drew our friendship together at the outset was that we both sort of agreed on that axiom of friendship. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Neat. Um, let's see here. I want, I wanted to throw out a couple things from also from my trip. Um, we, oh, yes. we went down for a quick trip to North Carolina to visit my son down in college and his friends and just had a wonderful few days there, um, in so many conversations and visits, uh, people were, were kind and edifying. It really was just an enjoyable time while we were there. Uh, the college, which he's attending, um, had a concert of the seven last words of Christ. Have you ever heard that oratorio mm-hmm. uh, by Dubois? Um, it really was neat. I don't know that I'd ever heard it uh, all the way through. I was familiar with parts of it, I think. But anyway, nice job uh, done by, um, uh, you know, uh, 
anyway, the, the soloists were students and, and the president of the college. Um, and my son got to sing a solo or two. And, um, and so that was really neat. And then we went down to another uh, kind of nearby university and watched another thing that had to do with essentially living art. Um, it's a kind of a form. Uh, anyway, oh, I've seen this. Yes, where they where the actors move around and things like that, and then they freeze. And whatever they do with the lighting and projection makes it look like a piece of art and like a painting. It's really phenomenal. Um, so anyway, um, that was. Uh, that was enjoyable. And, uh, and mm-hmm. we figured out that we could make the whole trip in one day. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the whole, tr- I mean the entire trip, but I'm, oh. I'm saying for traveling from here to there, you're like, what? In the I was about to say, what no. are you driving? No. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, we left here at four in the morning and got there after losing an hour. We got there around, I don't know, eight o'clock, eight after eight at night, yeah. but wow. it kind of beat stopping somewhere in between. Sure. Um, so anyway, that, uh, just really had an enjoyable uh, weekend there. Good. And um, so any question you want to jump into or can I? Uh... Nope. Take it away. Okay. So I was doing a little bit of uh, <laughs> research here for uh, Vacation Bible School. And without uh, betraying what um, what the theme is and things, I was just, I was just saying, is there like an inexpensive... Uh, chocolate gold bar out there you know what i'm talking about that would yeah. look like a bar of gold but it's chocolate it's a candy bar well you know uh, i don't to mean kinda... to cut you off i made a mistake here i'm i tried to take off this flannel <laughs> while sitting in this chair and i got stuck my shoulder doesn't bend that way okay okay all we're right. all set now fair enough yeah you can leave that in rosby it's fine yeah, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is real. This is a real podcast. This is real. That's right. right um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So anyway, I, this this was really interesting. And maybe I should save this for the next one. Um, oh, you're talk- committed now. You're committed oh, now. Oh, okay. Um, so I uh, was doing some research on, you know, getting a gold chocolate bar. You know what I mean by that? Like yeah. a gold wrapped chocolate bar. Sure. So you look at different places and they legitimately have like these really nice chocolates and gold wrapping. I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> anyway, I came on this one uh, site here that says, uh, I mean, they're going all out here. And I just wanted you to realize what some people actually sell. Um, so it says uh, we will be un- uh, coming later this month. We will be unveiling our most luxurious chocolate bar yet. Uh, It goes on to describe it. What makes this bar so special, you ask? Um, For the first time ever, we are using real gold inside and out. Uh For only $146 for a bar. I mean, one bar. (laughs) For a chocolate bar. $146, you can rip open a real gold wrapper that's also edible. Yeah, you can eat the wrapper and yep. find a delicious 63% dark chocolate, three gram bar. I don't even know what three grams is. Is that like the size of your pinky? <laughs> okay. Three gram bar. The whole, the whole bar is three grams? Yeah I, yeah, I guess. Three gram bar with a layer of 24 karat solid gold ganache. And yes, it's edible dipped in gold. 
I'm, wow. I'm, I'm not kidding. Why it says why stop at gold flakes like so many other companies do? If a little gold is good for you, then a lot more gold. Something is uh, something tells me you're not going to get that approved for VBS. Um. <laughs> I, I even wonder what their reaction would be. Like some of them would be like. What? And others would be well, like, oh, gold, chocolate, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, have you seen before that gold leaf is used as a garnish in like high end restaurants? I've, I've, I've not had it myself because, <laughs> you know, the other truth about gold is that it's not really soluble. So well, you can't, what, you can't digest it. it yeah. It's I read not to a, be crude, but it literally comes out the same way it goes in. Well, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking about. I read later down on the thing. It said, uh, in fact, it is not digested at all. And no nutrients, bad mm-hmm. or good, are absorbed by the body. In other words, they're like, yeah, so it's edible. That's, I'm that's like, $146 flush. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> Whew. you. But, but I've seen like, it on like uh, like sushi. I've seen it on sushi. Yeah. And uh, there's really? like, yeah, like really fancy uh, tacos, you know, they'll, they'll put it on stuff like that. Or uh, I'm telling you, look, cakes. Look, if my know? taco has a piece of gold on it, that there's just certain things that don't mix. Yeah. You know, to be like broccoli ice cream, you know, that it just, it's not. No, it doesn't. Go. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it fly. doesn't have it any flavor from what I hear. Like you, you can't taste, mm, that gold is delicious. No, it has no flavor from what I like, know. Mm, I just ate an insoluble metal. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Not if anything, I would think it would taste. With raw fish. <laughs> what was it? It's like, now I'll eat my sushi. I'll follow up that gold with raw fish. <laughs> right, right. It just doesn't seem to go. Um, yeah. It, it, I would think it would even taste sort of tinny if you could actually taste it because yeah. it's a, it's a metal. I would think it'd feel like, like you're sucking on a penny or something. <laughs> Um, which don't do, by the way. Money's gross. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's bizarre. Isn't that something? I was just like, yeah. wow. I, I I don't I don't even exactly know what to say except for like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, well, like, at a certain the, point, you have so much money that you're like, uh, hey, yeah, sure, let's try that too. What? I mean, yeah, you'd be like, it, okay, I I get. Well, actually, I don't totally get. You know, paying fifty bucks for a steak. Um, at a certain point, how good is the steak? I mean, you yeah. can cook a steak good, I, I could but see, I could see a good steak costing 50 bucks. Okay. But mm-hmm. $146 gold bar that I'm going to pass, yeah. you know, yeah. saying? it yeah. just like, I, I don't, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, wasn't it, um, I think it was in the 1800s, uh, a period, there was a period of time there known as the golden age or the gilded age, I think it was called. Yeah. Gilded age. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gilded age. And, and I think it had to do a lot of, with like, uh, the steel magnates and the, um, uh, the, the steam engine, uh, magnates and the, the railroad was becoming a new thing. And, and the guys who essentially pioneered such things, I'm thinking Vanderbilt in particular mm-hmm. in Carnegie, people like that. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, they, they got incredibly wealthy and I, Became, I think yeah, it was crazy rich. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might've been Mark Twain. I know a lot gets attributed to Mark Twain that wasn't, but <laughs> I think it might've actually been Mark Twain who said something about those people that they're, that they would gild a lily, <laughs> that they would take something that's already naturally beautiful, beautiful, that needs no improvement and they would just cover it in gold just because they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I suspect that's where the term Gilded Age came from, uh, might have been spawned by his particular observation. But that's what I think of when I think of <clears throat> putting gold leaf on a taco or on a chocolate bar. 
Right. Not that right. a chocolate bar is particularly beautiful, but you know, it's 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 rather delectable um, right, right. by some estimates. Right. Uh, so so why would you try to improve it? You know, with something you can't even taste just because it's expensive. It just seems like unnecessary decadence. I I guess that's the truth. My mm. goodness. Okay. So um, a couple other questions, and this yes. one I have. Uh, this may take the rest of the time. I don't know, depending on what your thoughts are on it. Okay. I, I would be glad to hear, as our listeners would be too, because this really is, I would say, a somewhat common and slightly difficult question to answer uh, mm-hmm. for conservative Christian people. Um, and that is, uh, if I could put it in my own words here, what is our beef with tattoos? Um, <laughs> so are are the prohibitions rooted in Israelite law? Um you know, is, is, uh, in other words, is that, well, that's an old Testament thing, you know, mm-hmm. when it says you, you can't mark your body or whatever, um, is, is, uh, yeah. So what, what's your take on how would, how would you approach somebody saying, uh, so pastor Tom, what's wrong yeah. with tattoos? Well, my, my first, the first place my mind goes is, is there a verse? Is there a passage? Is there a chapter? Is there a book that deals with this particular subject? Mm-hmm. And, and, and void of any particular passages, I'd then want to be considering what various principles might say that would give us guidance on it. Okay. That's a so good, good the, angle on how to approach the subject. Yes. Thank you. The, uh, the, <clears throat> the particular passage I think you're referencing, I'm looking it up now, is uh, Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. So mm-hmm. here's here here's my beef with the use of this verse regarding tattoos. It's that it can't be consistently applied. Um, and as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we really have no other passage in the Bible that deals with the concept of tattoos other than this. Um, I, I'm willing to hear others, you know, if there are any, but I mean, a direct passage that deals specifically with the subject. Um, I think this is it. This is all we have. Okay. And the issue is that, <clears throat> you know, we can't just rip a verse out of its place and use it uh, as a singular, you know, stabbing point. Um, Without we have understanding con- the context of the verse you're saying. Right. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. The issue that I have with using this verse for tattoos, and I'm, I'm by the way, I'm, I'm not like pro tattoo. Everybody should go get tattoos. No, I'm not, <laughs> not saying that. But the problem is the previous verse says, you shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and essentially, this is the verse I believe that Hasidic Jews use, uh, one of the verses that they use to justify not trimming the sideburns and growing those long curly sideburns, uh, basically the sides of their head, they don't trim. And there's certain okay. parts of their beard that they that they trim and certain parts that they don't. Um, I think basically at the jawline and below or something, I, I forget how it works. But the problem is if we make 28 about not getting tattoos and say that applies to the subject of tattoos, but then we don't apply verse 27, we're being inconsistent with the application of this. Okay. And and really the only conclusion we can draw from this is that this has to, in some sense, be a specific command given to Old Testament Israel that does not necessarily apply to the New Testament believer. Um, Now, 
again, that's not saying it's open season on tattoos and go get every tattoo that you'd like. I'm not saying that either because I think there are other principles that apply as well. I just don't think we can use this verse. Um, and I know for a long time, many Baptists have. Um, we have to have good arguments if we're going to make arguments at all. And I just okay. don't think this verse is a good one for that. Okay. Um, well, I'm probably going to fall down in the middle here because um, I think where you're going to go <laughs> is uh, where, what are the principles? Um, yeah. And I would say that I think you can start drawing the principles right here in this verse when you when you ask, um, you know, just like we do typically in, you know, Bible interpretation, who said it, when was it said, to whom was it said? And, and as we're drawing out, okay, it's spoken to the people of Israel by the Lord. But the question is why? Um, yes. And, uh, and so when it says, uh, you know, verse 26, you shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use enchantment nor observe times. Well, that's, you know, that's a very definite thing, you know, using enchantment, observing times. What's that talking about? I think it's talking about a similar thing when you go on to verse 27, you shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. I think we're talking about an association that it had with, um, we might say pagan things. Um, and then when you go on verse 28, I think it may be speaking of the same thing. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Well, what, what, what culture would do that? What was the, uh, what was the, uh, uh, what was that speaking to in, in, uh, in the culture? And I think it's speaking to that idea of, you know, pagan or mystical or, um, or false religion kind of things. And so then saying, why did God say it? What does it tell me about God? Is that same thing true today? Uh, And so anyway, that, you know, that those associations were definitely off of off limits. So our question then is, does it have a similar association mm, today? I'm I'm not sure we can make the case for association being the sole issue here, because in verse 28, God tells the people of Israel to make no cuttings in your flesh for the dead. But he, mm-hmm. if in fact, instituted a particular cutting of their flesh for himself, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, 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 the token of circumcision. So right. when, when we talk about the thing itself, you know, the cutting of the flesh, you know, is, is the cutting of the flesh morally wrong? Well, no, because God actually told them to do that uh, on the eighth day to circumcise you know, their children on the eighth day. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so, right. So, so you have to understand the context of the issue. Yes. Right. So, so cutting your flesh is okay in one sense, but cutting your flesh is not okay in another sense. In the same way that me, you know, and I heard someone give an illustration like this on a podcast once. If I do this motion where I'm beckoning with my finger, have you heard this? Uh, sounds familiar, but right? I'm not that. Yes. Uh-huh. Where I'm saying to like my child, come here, and I'm curling my finger towards myself and I'm saying, come here. Right. Uh, that motion is good. I might be pulling my child back from danger. Right. Mm-hmm. But that same motion can be used on the trigger of a gun to shoot somebody that I don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same motion. It's right, just a different right. context. Sure, sure. And that's the thing. The cutting of the flesh was okay in the token rite of circumcision by God's standard. Uh, but at the same time, making cuttings in your flesh for the dead was not. So, so when we look at it where the verse says, nor print any marks upon you, I am the Lord, to say that, oh, it's the act of printing any mark on your body that is wrong. Well, we have to consider, uh, you know, the context of the act, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're <laughs> you, saying you know, the act in itself may be benign. Right, I get what you're saying. Right, uh, it I certainly could be because, totally for instance, there. If, if, you, 
if you go and and let's say you have a brain tumor, right? And you have to get uh, <laughs> plot points put on right. your head right. for um, you know <clears throat> radiation therapy. And, and you get an MRI with this mask on your head and they put these plot points. Uh, there are some instances in which they will mark your skin with a sure. f- right. permanent, permanent marker in some cases, um, you know, just so that they can target that particular tumor. Are sure. you now sinning because you have a permanent mark on your skin? No, no, because the context is different, right? Right. I think the bigger question about tattoos today is why do you want one? Uh, so like, what's the motive? So if the context essentially eliminates that the act itself could be wrong, like just marking your skin is morally wrong. No, I don't think so. But the, I think it's, it's the heart of the matter that makes it wrong when someone thinks, oh, well, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to look like this and be awesome and have people think cool things of me, you know, cause they get some super manly looking tattoo. Well, I think the pride of the heart is a problem in that issue, Right. Um, and, and, and we're, we're focusing on the tattoo cause that's what we're good at. We're good at looking at the outward thing saying, Oh, that, that thing is wrong. Well, the bigger issue is this man's pride in his heart that he wants to get this thing to aggrandize himself, uh, in the same way that when, when the disciples ate with, uh, unwashed hands and, uh, the, the Pharisees were all up in arms about it. And Jesus essentially says, it's not, it's not really what goes in. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, it's essentially what comes out. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and he goes on to talk about the heart. Um, not saying that, you know, everything that's outward is good. I'm not saying that. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's the matter of why do you want that? Why do you want that? And I think that's, uh, that's important. However, I still think that hinges, um, it hinges on an understanding that that particular thing speaks to something. Um, in other words, why would somebody like, oh, I want to look like so-and-so, or I want to, uh, why, what in their mind says, um, yeah, I want to look like that because so-and-so looks that way. Uh, well, who is so-and-so and where's he from? Mm -hmm. Um, I think we talked about this before saying, um, so, so, and I guess maybe to go back to that word association, when when I used the uh, illustration before, maybe it was in an after show, uh, that if your son said, uh, I want to cut my hair this way and I want to wear this certain kind of glasses and you're like, well, wait, but you look like, you look like such and such rock star, but dad, it's just hair and glasses. They're just neutral things. Yeah. But you look like somebody, uh, and it's the, it's the fact that you're patterning yourself. Now you would, you maybe go to the heart issue and say, why do you want to look that way? And which is a very valid question. But the point is that the, what, what's troublesome about it is that it mirrors something that's pro- that's wrong right or that's problematic and so right. i think in the text you know when it's saying shall not mark any print any marks upon you i agree with you that um is it saying oh if i actually you know mark you know i put permanent marker on my hand oh no you know yeah. i i've created but yeah but the, obviously the context was that there are certain people that do this and you're not to be like them these are people that you know, worship false gods and that do this and do this. And you don't want to mirror that activity. Well, in a similar yeah. sense, I have to look at tattoos and say, really, what is the background of a tattoo? Like, who does that? Yeah, see, I, I, I feel like, though, in different cultures, the response and the answer would be different on that. Only, um, only <clears throat> because culture uh, eventually accepts and adopts something, not because... Um, you know what I mean? Like, right. But to, to use your illustration of the glasses and the hat, right. In some cultures, yeah. that same exact glasses and hat 
don't associate with anything that's that you would consider terrible. Uh, it's just a hat and glasses. So I feel like in the conversation we're on, we're talking on a knife edge, and you're on one side of the knife edge, and I'm on the other. Okay, you, you're kind of you're wanting to talk about the hat and the glasses and the tattoo, and I'm wanting to talk about well, why do you want to do that? What's the heart issue mm-hmm, here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a hat. It's just glasses, right? You know, tattoos are essentially just ink. Um, that's all they are. Uh, the the deeper issue is well, why do you want to do that and address the heart rather than address the thing. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of our way sometimes to just address the thing. Mm-hmm, we have right. to consider the heart here yeah, and understand right. that, listen, ultimately if someone's heart was right and they wanted to wear that hat, you can't say boo about it. You know what I mean? It's just a hat. Right. If they right, maybe they're not even making the same association that you are. Right. You might associate it with one thing. Maybe they don't even know that association. They're just right. wearing a hat because their right. head is cold. You can't look at the hat and say, oh, they're worldly now. Uh, no, <laughs> we can't focus on the thing. We have to focus on what are they doing that for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you can't know that about everybody's heart. Oh, right. True, true. So, but would you say that directionally speaking, like if you're, um, if you're counseling someone, would you, uh, anyway, I just, it seemed like it is kind of different here. Like even people yeah. who, who have, who have a tattoo and they get saved. I mean, how many times have we heard the story that somebody says yeah. they want to cover their tattoo or yeah. they want to get it removed? Why, why do they want to do that? You know, they're I not mean, the same wh- person anymore and you well, can't remove a tattoo. And see, right. that's so the difference what, between the, the tattoo that they feel bad about. Why don't they just say, well, that was a tattoo, you know, this is a marking on my body. I you suppose, know? I suppose it depends on, on what it is and where it is. But, um, you know, for instance, the difference between the conversation about the hat is that you can take the hat off and see mm-hmm. if, if I were counseling someone regarding getting a tattoo, one of my primary things I would tell them is, well, you might not be the same person in five years that you are now. Mm-hmm. Your mind could change about things. You could mature in such a way that you don't really like what that really says about you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you'll think differently in five years than you think now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so don't do something that is unalterable uh, to yourself because you're, you're mature enough to realize you could change in a few years and that won't really, you know, say what you want to say anymore. Okay. Let me, <clears throat> and, and that's a good point. Um, let me... Um, as far as them say, you saying they, there may be an association and they don't know it and we can't judge their heart. I totally agree. Um, my point is, do we want to at some point bring up any association of which they should be aware? Um, if your child used a certain word and my children have done this over time, right? You know, they, they say something, you're like, Oh wait, what, uh, do you know what that word mm-hmm. means? Um, and they're like, Oh no, I just blah, 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 blah. It's like, uh, actually, if you went out and said that to someone, here's what they would think. Yeah. Oh, and then they don't use that word. So yeah. at what point, I mean, is it, I, I would say it is, but I mean, is it fair at some point in your interaction with somebody, if they're looking for counsel or growth or saying, you know, they're, they're growing and they're, you're discipling them to bring up, um, here, here's what tattoo says, here's where it's linked, right? Here's the cultural expression of it. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. It's it's fair to tell your kids that about a word or a tattoo, but I I think it's also immature to to let them think that that's all there is to the issue. 
um, they have to understand that there is more like, for instance, if you, if your kid says a word and you're like, oh, that's a bad word. Right. But then someday he's called to testify against someone in court and he's required to say that word as right, part I of understand. evidence. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? Sure, it's like, sure. you know, and, it, but if you've taught your kid that the sole problem is the word, well, how right. are they going to, yeah. you're going to basically destroy their conscience. They're going to feel like they're sinning just to give testimony. And, you know, it would be the same for a lot of issues. And I think Christian parents, uh, and, and I, I honestly think this is, is really characteristic of especially conservative and Baptist Christians, since I've grown up in that circle, this is where <laughs> I've seen it, right? Is that we make the thing itself often the problem. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you teach your kid that that thing, that, th- that word, that, that, that particular thing, that hat is worldly, that hat is sinful or whatever it might be. And they're scared to death of the thing their whole life. And they don't realize the actual nuance of the issue. Yes. Um, and, I, and I don't, uh, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying that we definitely have to look past the heart. You know, I've told our kids, you know, they might, they hear this, you know, some, you see somebody listening to a certain song or, or they see their, you know, hair changed purple or something. Oh my God, look at that. And be like, look. That person has a lot bigger issues than than the color of her hair. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she needs she needs to be saved. She needs to grow. I mean, yeah, okay. You know, there there there's bigger things at play here. You need to look at the heart of, of the matter. And I totally agree with that. But my point is somebody asking who wants to grow and they're asking about the issue of tattoos. Let's say we've we understand the heart issue. Is there something objectively concerning about tattoos of which they should be told? Or is it, is it genuinely a neutral issue that says, Hey, if you want a tattoo, have one. If you don't, don't. So what if, what if somebody gets a tattoo in a very concealed place and it is an image of something that is fairly benign? Let's say it's their favorite baseball team or what have you. Um, whatever it might be. Right. But, and it's a concealed place. What would you tell someone who wants to get a tattoo like that? So in answer to my question, you're asking me a question about if somebody already had one. I'm, I'm sorry, what? So I'm asking you if somebody says, what, what about tattoos period? Is there anything I should be that I should be, is there any caution you want to offer about tattoo? And you're turning around and saying, if somebody already has a tattoo, what would I say? Or if someone wants to get one, you know, Right. Like That's kind of what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. And I'll be glad to answer it. But so, yeah, because so I, I think you... it depends. I think it depends. And again, I'm not saying everybody should go get a tattoo because my, my thing is you might change your mind in a few years. Right. <laughs> you right. you might be, regret like, having that for, for like, one reason or another. It'd be, well, to me, you say if someone already has one. Okay. Well, that to me, that's a different story in the sense that if they say, uh, I listened to this rock song once. Okay. Uh, right. But are you going to keep listening to it? Um, if they say I had a tattoo once, oh, okay. Well, not much you can do about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, but what if, what, uh, what if they want to get one? Right. In so a, that's in a concealable would, place. That's where I would offer the, the caution. Cause, cause number one, what's the point of getting a tattoo in a concealed place? But, um, right. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Cause but, believe it or not, this, this actually was asked one time. Um, I think, I think we actually covered this on a podcast. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I have seen it before where, um, you know, a lady had a tattoo of a butterfly on her back or, you know, upper back, like by the neck or something. And it says second Corinthians five seventeen. you know? So it's like, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are past. So, I mean, they might think I'm, you know, I'm passing, you know, I'm, I'm passing along a good message and I'm, I'm talking about transformation via the tattoo on my body. You know, yeah, and so yeah. you would say, well, the heart of the matter seems to be like, hey, you know, they're wanting to be an influence. Um, my <laughs> my my thing would be to say, um, you know, certain 
certain forms of communication are unwise or unproductive or, um, you know, not what God intended for our body. And, um, and so I would, the one, one big thing I would just have to say for me personally is that there certainly is a pretty strong pagan origin here. Um, that if you go to back to where did, where did these elaborate markings in the flesh come from? You know, was there just some, you know, was Enoch walking with God and said, Hey, I'd like a tat right here on my, or, or, or was it some, you know, deviant form of worship that, that, that started that. And to to, me, it's certainly a pagan origin that to me, and and, we've talked on the podcast before. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, some people are going to say, well, it's association, but to me, the association is still quite strong. If you actually look at it, if you travel outside the borders of the United States, uh, it's, it's more evident, but anyway, that's, uh, that's just one of the strongest things I would give. Well, we've talked on the podcast before about pagan origins of things like the Christmas tree or the the word Easter and such. Mm-hmm. And we've both concluded that the pagan origin doesn't necessarily make the thing wrong in the context of a Christmas tree. Um, but my other point was, you know, what do we do then? And I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. So, yeah, so yeah. indulge me. What do we do with <laughs> in Revelation? I think it's chapter 19, maybe when Christ is returning. Right. And it's written on his thigh, thigh. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What do we do with that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if the pagan origins of the thing make the thing bad, why does the Lord have markings on his body? At least in that sense. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I mean, because my my thought would be like, we say it's written on his thigh, thigh. I guess that would make me question, well, if he said to, the Jewish people, thou shalt make no markings in your flesh. And then it says he has markings in his flesh that would kind of sound contradictory. So I would wonder, does it mean that, you know, in some other way, like, you know, I have Nike written on my thigh. Well, it means the thigh of my pants, right. Or the, on my mm-hmm. robe or something. I don't know. I just, okay, a thought. Good, just good a thought. Point. Good point. Um, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, personally, I still would not get a tattoo. Um, I would mm-hmm. not, I think maybe our, our reasoning seems to be a little different about it, mm-hmm. but I think it would be unwise to get one in, in the same way that we've talked before about how some things are not inherently sinful, but they're just unwise. Unwise. And that's a good word. I guess that, and that would yeah. be the, the last thing I would say is why is it unwise? Yeah. And, and I don't want to make anyone think that I'm trying to justify tattoos in the arguments that I'm making on this podcast. Uh, I'm certainly not. I, I, I personally would avoid it, but you know, can't, can I argue that the thing itself is always in every sense bad? Well, it just depends on the context, I think. Um, you know, right, in the same way, in the same way we talked about, about a tattoo, which is a specific marking in the flesh, not a, not a, not a marker marking on the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, any marking on the flesh is, is I think what the, the verse talks about is, you know, mm-hmm. marks in the flesh, um, which is any mark. It's not talking about, you know, it doesn't say get, you know, don't get a bail symbol, whatever that might've been marked in your flesh. Just says don't put marks in your flesh. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I digress. Okay. Okay. Um, well, good. Thank you. Uh, let's maybe, uh, listeners, if you've got a thought on this and you probably do, uh, then send it our way. Reason together podcast at gmail.com reason together podcast at gmail.com not just uh you know why w- wouldn't you um what um what inconsistencies do you see why would you um again you can you can uh throw it out here without us calling you a heretic 
yeah. uh, whatever your thought might be, we would like you to send it our way. Maybe there's a totally different question you have. You say it's a million miles away from the, the discussion of tattoos. <laughs> and uh, we would like to consider discussing that as well. And, uh, and hope this has been a help to you. We're actually pretty much right at time. We don't have time to uh, uh, go into anything else. So we're going to yeah. transition into our after show, which is for our elite patrons and elite patrons. We want to thank you. And again, all of you patrons and listeners, thank you for joining us this time. Yes. If you'd like to become an elite patron, remember again, that URL is patreon.com slash reason together. And you can choose the elite level there and you get a t-shirt out of that. Uh, you also get access to the bonus after show content. Uh, and of course, with all of our patron memberships, you get access to the patron message board where there's oftentimes discussions and feedback on episodes there. Uh, but we'd appreciate if you would consider supporting in that way. Uh, if not, thank you for listening. Either way, we appreciate you. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. <laughs>